he, in fact, did rise from the dead. And if he did, it's all true. If he did, he is God. If he did, he did die for your sins. If he did, you can be saved. Welcome to In Grace with Jim Scudder, Jr. He is the senior pastor of Quentin Road Baptist Church in Lake Zurich, Illinois, as well as the author of Why Life Hurts and co-author of Evangelism Made Simple. Hi, this is Jim Scudder. I hope you had a wonderful Easter and uh, we spent the last couple weeks talking about the resurrection and the power of the resurrection. Uh, today, we're going to get back into the very final few messages about the story of Jesus. And we've actually come past the resurrection in our series as we're just about done. It's a series on the four gospels in harmony, looking at all the different gospels chronologically. And we've come to the the appearances of Christ after the resurrection. Now, we've already covered a number of them, but today we're going to cover where he was seen of 500 brethren at once. And it's incredible, all the different people that saw Jesus for themselves. And actually, it says in 1 Corinthians 15, when Paul was writing to the Corinthians, that many people were still alive at this writing of this letter that would verify the resurrection. So the resurrection, in my opinion, is historically verified because of all the appearances of Christ after the resurrection. And so it's exciting to me that Jesus took the time to appear before so many people in so many different ways, uh, proving that he was alive. This wasn't hallucination. This wasn't wishful thinking because they actually weren't thinking that he would rise. They went to the to the tomb early in the morning to embalm him, not to, to see if he was resurrected on that Easter Sunday. So we're going to talk about all that and talk a little bit about the message of evangelism as Jesus is giving the Great Commission. And I believe that Great Commission went to not just his disciples or his followers of that day. I believe the Great Commission to go into all the world and preach the gospel is to us and to all believers in the church age. So I hope that what you hear today and this week will compel all of us to recommit to making sure we share the gospel with others. And I hope that that will be a blessing to you. Right before we go, uh, we've been telling you about this great video series, The Quest to Rebuild the Jewish Temple. We would love to send this to you. It's a way to really get excited about the end times as the Bible predicts the Jewish temple will be rebuilt. And today that's what they're trying to do in Israel. And you want to get this full three-part video series for a gift of any amount to In Grace. That gift will make sure more people hear the gospel through media. And uh, we're going to thank you by sending you this series either on DVD or digital download. And then if your gift is $35 or more, we'll also send you the Armageddon's Dawn eight-part prophecy video series and the Armageddon's Dawn prophecy chart. So to contact us, call 1-800-78-GRACE, 1-800-78-GRACE, or go to ingraceradio.com. Com. And then also, don't forget that we have two great trips coming up. We're going to Alaska this July as an Ingrace group on a cruise, an Ingrace Creation cruise. Bruce Malone, a creation speaker, Majesty Music. I'll be there teaching on the ship in the evenings, and we would love for you to come along with us. A free brochure is on our website, ingraceradio.com, or give us a call at 1-800-78-GRACE. There was once a very pregnant woman that 
uh, was driving along and she was suddenly in an accident and knocked unconscious. Her husband was traveling overseas and at the hospital, they uh, were waiting for one of the relatives to come and uh, somebody came and it turned out to be her brother. Well, while she was unconscious, they actually had to deliver not one, but two babies. Uh, but because she was unconscious and because her husband was overseas, they asked this woman's brother if he would name the children. And so he did. And the woman woke up a couple days later and noticed that she didn't have the children and that freaked her out. She said, what happened? And he said, it's okay, you were in an accident and uh, you, you didn't have just one, you had two. And she was so relieved and couldn't believe it. They said, well, we did also do something. Uh, we had your brother, since he was the only one here, name them. And she said, oh no, my brother named my children. What did he name the girl? And the doctor said, well, he named the girl Denise. Well, she was surprised. Like, well, that, that's, I, I like Denise. That's actually pretty good for my, for my brother. I'm really surprised. What did he name the, the boy? The nephew. <laughs> so, guys, listen to me. Whatever you do, do not commission your dimwit brother to name your children. Today, as we're nearing the end of our uh, series, Studying the Life of Christ, we're going to see that we have been commissioned by Jesus to reach the world, one soul at a time. The life of Jesus has been so interesting, hasn't it? God comes to this earth and grows up, not just born in Bethlehem, but he had to flee to Egypt, but he, he was raised in Nazareth, and, and the Bible predicted all of these things. Never sinned, was studious, was obedient. Can you imagine such a child? And he grew in knowledge and stature and began his ministry at 30. And then his ministry included such amazing things. The miracles that he did astounded people. And he showed such compassion and such care. He was the person that we all wish we were. But some people didn't like him because he called out phonies. He called out fakes. He called out those that were playing the game. But uh, they eventually conspired to have him arrested and have him tried and have him crucified. Now, of course, if Jesus is God, there's no human that could possibly take his life without his consent, without his approval, without his will. So some people said, well, the Jews killed Jesus. Some people say, oh, the Romans killed Jesus. Who killed Jesus? He gave his life a sacrifice for me, for my sins, and for you. So he laid down his life. His body was put into the grave. When he died, he paid for all the sins of the world. And in three days, his body came back to life. 
That's the section that we're in, in the story of Jesus. We're talking about his post-resurrection appearances. And one of the last appearances he makes, we're going to be studying today, where he brings his disciples to a mountain in the Galilee. And there he commissions them to bring the gospel to the world and to teach all nations and to baptize. We call it the Great Commission. And as we study the Great Commission, the commission that we are to, and I believe we're involved in this commission. I don't think it was just those that were present when Jesus was there on the mountain. I believe this is all of us. We're commissioned to bring the gospel to your colleagues, to your family, to those that you sit next to on a bus or in a train or a plane. We have that responsibility. We've been given that job, that commission by the Lord to reach the world with the gospel. So the question is, what is the gospel? What is the gospel? You say, well, that's easy. Is it? Most Christians, if I were to ask this question, what is the gospel, I would get a lot of wrong answers. It's the simplest message that's in the Bible. It's what the whole Bible's about. But we don't get the gospel. And the passage that I'm gonna take you to as we're to bring the gospel to the world, what is the gospel? This passage also references Jesus' resurrection and his appearances. So it really ties well with what we're going to go into in the Gospels a little bit later. 1 Corinthians 15, in verse one, Paul is instructing the Corinthian believers as to what is the gospel. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you what? The gospel. What is gospel? It's good news. It's good news. And by the way, a lot of people that give the gospel, what they're giving is not good news because it's impossible. You have to do this, do this. You have to have this tear or you have to have this uh, act of penance or you have, to, you have to give this much to charity or whatever they say you have to do. It's, it's so hard, you can't do it. So that's not good news. Good news is something that everyone can do. Everyone can, can just put their trust in Jesus, right? So I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you. So Paul had previously gone through Corinth, which is there in Greece, and he had already planted the seed of the gospel. People had been saved. There was a church established. He left. Uh, there were problems in the church. He wrote this letter to them to try to help them understand it. One of the problems was they were moving away from the gospel. So I declared unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also you have received. So how do I get saved? How do I go from hell to heaven? How, how can I be born again? You receive the gospel. How do you receive the gospel? It says it in here. You believe. Okay, that's it. It's faith. Okay? Which also you have received and wherein ye stand. So not only are we saved by grace, we're also kept by grace. We don't have to keep doing something to stay saved. We're saved. Okay? Verse 2, by which also you are saved if you keep in memory what I preached unto you unless you have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins, according to the Scriptures. You're listening to In Grace with Jim Scudder, Jr. 
Are you interested in the end times prophecy of the rebuilding of the Jewish temple? Then you need to watch InGrace's new video series, The Quest to Rebuild the Jewish Temple. Jim Scudder Jr. will take you to amazing sites like the Temple Mount, the Dome of the Rock, and the land on the Mount of Olives purchased for the sacrifice of the red heifer. Jim Scudder has exclusive interviews with experts and people involved in rebuilding the temple. This new series will be yours as a thank you for a gift of any amount to InGrace. Don't miss this once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to witness prophecy being fulfilled before our very eyes and see how all of this impacts our world today. When your gift is $35 or more, Jim Scudder will also send you an incredible eight-part video series called Armageddon's Dawn and a beautiful End Times Prophecy Chart. Don't wait. Get this video series today to order the quest to rebuild the Jewish temple. Call now, 800-78-GRACE, or order on our secure website, ingraceradio.com. You can also write to us at InGrace, P.O. Box 9, Lake Zurich, Illinois, 60047. That's the gospel. Jesus Christ died, was buried, and rose again. And if you'll believe in him, you're saved. Okay. Now, the proofs of the resurrection in verse 4 are in verse 5 through 8. And that he was seen of Cephas. Who was that? Well, that's Peter. Simon Peter is Cephas. Then the 12. After that, he was seen above 500 brethren at once. Now, if you go through the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you're not going to find Jesus appearing to 500 people at one time. But we do know it happened because here in 1 Corinthians, it tells us that he did. And some do believe that when he went on this mountain in the Galilee to commission his disciples, that there was 500 there. Of course, it was the the 11, now there was down to 11, it was called the 12, but of course Judas had uh, uh, killed himself. But here we have the appearances of 500 brethren at one time, of whom the greater part remain unto this present, and, and at the time that this was written, many of those people that were part of that 500 that had witnessed the resurrected Christ with their own eyes or with their own hands, they were still alive. In other words, go ask them, you know? Go ask them, they were there. Some are fallen asleep, some had died, but most were alive when this was written. After that, he was seen of James and then of the apostles, and last of all, he was seen of me as one born out of due time. When did Paul see the resurrected Savior? It was after the ascension, Jesus appeared to Paul as he was persecuting the church, he was named Saul. He had been part of the stoning of Stephen. Now he's heading to Damascus to persecute more Christians, to arrest them. And he sees the light. And he literally sees Jesus himself. So what is, the, what is one of the great proofs that Jesus is alive? He was seen, right? What's the great proof that he died? They buried him. You don't bury people that aren't dead, okay? So he died and he rose again. How do we know he died? He was buried. How do we know he rose again? He was seen. All right. So let's talk about this, him being seen. People have tried to explain the post-resurrection appearances of Jesus by saying that the people that saw him were hallucinating. 
And here's a quote by an author that I like very much as he wrote about the proofs of the resurrection and especially the proofs of the eyewitness accounts of the resurrection. He says this, hallucinations occur generally in people who tend to be vividly imaginative or of a nervous makeup. But appearances of Christ were to all sorts of people. True, some were sensitive, but there were also hardened fishermen like Peter and others of various dispositions. Hallucinations are known to be extremely subjective and individual, the author writes. For this reason, no two people have the same experience. In the case of the resurrection, Christ appeared not to just individuals, but to groups, including one with more than 500 people. Paul said more than half of these people were still alive and could verify and tell about these events. The author continues, hallucinations usually occur only at particular times and places, and they are associated with the events that are fancied. However, these appearances occurred both indoors and outdoors, in the morning, afternoon, and evening. These appearances happened during a period of 40 days and then stopped abruptly. No one ever said they happened again. Perhaps the most conclusive indication of the fallacy of the hallucination theory, the author continues to write, is a fact often overlooked. In order to have an experience like this, one must so intensely want to believe what he or she projects something that isn't really there and attaches reality to the imagination. One might think hallucination is what happened to the disciples regarding the resurrection, but in fact, the opposite took place. They were persuaded against their wills that Jesus had risen from the dead. They, Mary wasn't going to the tomb to see if, if Jesus had resurrected. She was going to the tomb expecting a corpse to reanoint. And, and, and when they told the men what, what they had seen, the men said, well, you, you, you don't know what you're talking about. You're full of idle tales. Good job, guys. Okay. Others thought they had seen a ghost. Thomas refused to believe. They, they weren't expecting the resurrection, were they? Although Jesus had told them he would. Let me continue a quote. What was it? that changed a band of frightened, cowardly disciples into men of courage and conviction? What was it that changed Peter, who the night before the crucifixion was so afraid for his own skin that three times he denied publicly that he even knew Jesus? Some 50 days later, he became a roaring lion, risking his life by saying he had seen Jesus risen from the dead. It must be remembered that Peter preached his electric Pentecost sermon in Jerusalem, where all these events took place and his life was in danger. He was not in the Galilee, miles away where no one could verify the facts and where his ringing statements might go unchallenged. Only the bodily resurrection of Christ could have produced this change. And that was Paul Little. The appearances of Jesus powerful, powerful testimony that he, in fact, did rise from the dead. And if he did, it's all true. It's all true. If he did, he is God. If he did, he did die for your sins. If he did, you can be saved. 
okay? And all of these appearances by eyewitnesses up to 500 at one time show me, convinces me, that it's true. He is alive and he wants to save you as well. Now, when did this appearance up to 500 people take place? Well, as I said, it could have happened right here in what we're about to read. Look at Matthew 28. And we're gonna see this, what we call the Great Commission in Matthew 28 and also in Mark chapter 16. And we're gonna go fully through both accounts to make sure we have a full grasp of what God wants to teach us about this commission, which I believe applies to you and me. All these years later, we are hearing these words. We are commissioned by Jesus until he returns. So if he hasn't returned yet, which he hasn't, we still have this job. We still have this responsibility. Some people say, well, uh, it seems odd that once we have put our trust in Christ and we're saved, that, that we don't just leave this earth and go to heaven. And that would be kind of nice, except then who would tell the next person? Who would have told us? Right? So this is important. And some people think, well, you know, it's, we have a professional pastor and a professional evangelist, and we're going to let them uh, win the souls. And certainly, a pastor and an evangelist ought to be doing that, and that should be our, our main focus, but so should you. Okay? So should you. You're, we're all commissioned in this. Okay, Matthew 28, 16. Then the 11 disciples went away into Galilee. Now remember the Galilee is in northern Israel. It's the region that the Sea of Galilee is in and that's where most of Jesus' ministry, all of his early ministry took place in the Galilee. And we'll talk more about this beautiful part of Israel, the upper area of Israel, the Galilee, tomorrow and uh, talk about Jesus appearing before his disciples and his followers and giving them this great commission. The message of the gospel is in our hands. We are to be delivering that to our friends, our neighbors, our co-workers, our, our family. We need to bring the gospel to people close to us and we need to make sure that the gospel goes to the uttermost parts of the earth. Again, we're going to talk about that more tomorrow. So don't miss our Tuesday edition of In Grace. Again, I hope your Easter was great. I, I love this time of year. In Chicago, we're enjoying nicer weather and, and flowers and all of that. And so I just love this time of the year. And I hope that you are enjoying this time of the year as well. And I hope that everything that you do is bringing glory to God. One of the things that excites me as a Christian is to study Bible prophecy. And the Bible clearly says in Revelation and Daniel and Matthew that there's going to be a temple rebuilt in the tribulation period. We went to Israel. We interviewed rabbis. We talked about the red heifers that just got to Israel. We got a tour of the Al-Aqsa Mosque and the Dome of the Rock, the, the big roadblocks to a temple being rebuilt. We talked to people that are making harps for temple worship, making incense for temple sacrifices. And we are in the mix of all of this, telling the story of the rebuilding of the Jewish temple. Now, this is a new three-part video series that we have been featuring here at In Grace, and it's called The Quest to Rebuild the Jewish Temple. We would love to get this in your hands, and you can get it from us by making a gift of any amount to In Grace. Remember, the offerings that you give to In Grace will be used carefully, wisely, and for more people to hear the gospel. We're going to thank you by sending you this three-part video series, The Quest to Rebuild the Jewish Temple. You can get it either 
by mail as a DVD, or you can download it as a digital video. Call us at 1-800-78-GRACE or go to ingraceradio.com. Now, if you can give $35 or more, we're also going to send you an eight-part video series on Bible prophecy filmed in Israel with Joel Rosenberg and Randall Price and others, and you want to get Armageddon's Dawn and the Armageddon's Dawn Prophecy Chart. All of these resources will make you more excited about the return of Jesus. As a thank you for your gift of any amount, Jim Scudder will send you the quest to rebuild the Jewish temple when your gift is $35 or more. He will also send you his eight-part video series, Armageddon's Dawn, and a beautiful end times prophecy chart. Order the quest to rebuild the Jewish temple by calling 800-78-GRACE. Go to our secure website, ingraceradio.com, or write to us at InGrace, P.O. Box 9, Lake Zurich, Illinois, 60047. Thank you for joining us on In Grace Radio with Jim Scudder Jr. In Grace is a member of the Evangelical Council for Financial Accountability. Our goal is to share the light of Jesus to a darkening world, helping you find hope, gain purpose, and be a light. You can be that light today by joining our mission to spread the gospel around the world. Just call us, 800-78-GRACE, or go online, ingraceradio.com. You can also write to us at InGrace, P.O. Box 9, Lake Zurich, Illinois, 60047. Tune in tomorrow as we continue to explore God's Word and His world on InGrace Radio.